Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. המלאך השביעי תקע בשופר, וקולות גדולים נשמעו בשמיים, אומרים, הייתה ממלכת תבל לממלכתו של אדוננו, הוא של משיחו, והוא ימלוך לעולמי עולמים. עשרים וארבעה הזקנים היושבים על כיסאותיהם לפני האלוהים, נפלו על פניהם והשתחוו לאלוהים, באומרם, מודים אנחנו לך, אדוני צבאות, אשר הווה והיה, כי לבשת עוזך הגדול ותמלוך. הגויים קצפו, ובא קצפך ועת לשפוט המתים, ולתת שכר לעבדיך הנביאים, ולקדושים וליראי שמך, לקטנים ולגדולים, ולהשחית את משחיתי הארץ. אז נפתח היכל אלוהים בשמיים, וארון בריתו נראה בהיכלו. ברקים וקולות רעמים התחוללו, ורעידת אדמה וברד כבד. I mean, you can, but you will be in the wrong spot. So turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 8. And we're going to be in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11. And, uh, yeah, I, I am so thankful for, um, well, I'm very thankful for Kylie Ham, who is trying to bring me notes. Um, Technology messed up a little bit here, and I think it's back. So your, your run was so appreciated. Uh, no, um, I, I, come, I come to a text like this, and, and the truth is I, I come in uh, to a room when we're singing these songs today, and um, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. Um, uh, uh, just the fact that, uh, that when we are singing together in these ways, uh, there's such hope there. Um, just to be honest, uh, I got a, a two o'clock in the morning text from a church member uh, who is going through a very physically trying time. And uh, right before the service, uh, got a, a text again. And, and so to sing those songs and to, to come to, to, to a part of Scripture that, to, to be quite honest, is going to remind us a lot of judgment that is to come for those without Christ. I'll just tell you that. At singing songs like you took my place. Uh, I, I just, I, I pray that we will hear this word today that it, would, that it would bring us hope when we feel hopeless and that for those of you who do not know the only, only ray of hope the only one who can provide that, that today you would find this hope. Because even, even this church member who was texting is not without hope. They, they are not without hope in a dire situation. They are clinging to the, the truth of Christ. And so I, I want that for you. So when we come to Revelation... Uh, and, and this is so true today. We don't come to, to Revelation uh, trying to figure it all out. By the way, you won't. And if, if you think you have, then I, I think you, well, I think you're misguided, to be honest. There, there's, there's too much here. I think we've got to come to this book with open hands and say, okay, we know some things, but there's some we are making educated guesses on, and that's okay. But this book is so rich with hope. So may this be 
May this be what takes place for you today, the book of Revelation. So remember when we come to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is a series of apocalyptic visions intended to make known the clear promise of Christ's coming return and eternal reign as a means to offer hope, to expect obedience, and to inspire worship. It is to be clear. Right? I just told you that. We're not going to be able to understand it all, but I believe that it, what is clear is that Christ is coming again. We can, we can find great hope, great solace in this. We can, we can be reminded of not only that he is coming again, but that he will reign forever and ever and ever. He reigns now, he reigned yesterday, and he will reign tomorrow. This is not a thing we have to speculate on. Because of this definition, it's helpful for us to remember the purpose of revelation is not to promote speculation about the future, but rather to compel action in the present. What's it supposed to do for us now? Like, what are we, how are we supposed to read this and respond to it? And I know that this can be very difficult. If you were following along in scripture reading this week and got to 8, 9, 10, and 11 and read those, then you have, a, if you're like me at all, you have a curious, inquisitive mind. And we want uh, like all of the, to, like, to know what all of these descriptions are explaining. We want to know all of that. We're not God, though. We're not always given perfect knowledge for what all of this might mean. Our inquisitive minds are so quick to try to find answers to questions that John might not even be attempting to answer. Revelation is not, I've said this before, and I think this is helpful, it is not necessarily arranged chronologically, but arguably cyclically. So last week, we saw seven seals. Today, we see seven trumpets. In the future, we'll see seven bowls. And all of those are representing repeating symbols of God's judgment and punishment on the sin filling the earth and are more and more intense, all leading to the final judgment. So if you, if you think about it, you got these seven seals and then it intensifies in the seven trumpets and it intensifies yet again in the seven bowls. In fact, just prepare yourself for the seven bowls. When that time comes, there is a, a heavy weight. Trumpets, though, trumpets uh, are, are important symbols throughout Scripture. You might even think, maybe you've heard about the shofar, right? Think about how, how this was a, a regular uh, form of, like, it was like calling the people. Trumpets. Uh, were alerting people to judgment or salvation. In fact, in Numbers 10, like the Lord speaks to Moses and says, make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them. You shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. When both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they only blow one, then chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel, shall gather themselves to you. There's, a, there's a, a, an alarming uh, shout or blast. There's an to, for all different kinds of reasons. So, so trumpets have historical meaning throughout Old Testament. And then again, we see this now here in the New Testament. There are these two prominent stories connected to the Old Testament here in this, in this text. One is the plagues during Moses' time in Egypt, right? So we're about to read about all these different things and you'll see blood and darkness. You'll see locusts, uh, the judgment that was poured out on Egypt and Pharaoh for holding God's people captive. All of that you'll see in just this minute. And the, then the other is the Battle of Jericho, which includes seven priests and seven trumpets in seven days. Right? So the book of uh, Joshua, you see that. So Joshua 6, 8. And, and just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them, right? You know, the Joshua at the Battle of Jericho? Jericho, Jericho. You know that one? 
Yeah, so, so this is that, this is what we're talking about. That same picture, now fast forward, and it's like uh, there's, they're remembering that. John, who wouldn't have been there in Jericho, but certainly would know of that story, would know of the, the truth of it, not just a, a story that was once told, but something that he knows to be true. So there's this similar imagery as trumpets ultimately announce judgment upon sinners and victory for God's people, right? So trumpets. Think of it that way, like judgment or salvation, and or salvation, okay? So we come to then the purpose of trumpet blasts, right? One is that trumpets serve as a reminder to put your trust in God alone. Uh, I mentioned that that two o'clock this morning text message. Uh, We're we're talking about a a medical situation and so encouraged that as we were praying together, um, this brother is trusting in God's provision. Right, yes, we are trusting that God will use doctors and nurses and medical professionals and trusting uh, in, in those sort of things, but we know who's ultimately in control. So we call to him first, right? So, so thankful that we get to call out to the one, that the only one. So I want you to, to think this way as you hear about these trumpets being blast. Do not put your trust in created things. Instead, put your trust in the creator himself. Right, the first trumpet. Go to verse seven. First angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth and a third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. So trumpet one comes burning earth, burning trees, burning grass. You get to the second trumpet, so just the next verse down, verse eight. Second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So trumpet one, burning earth, trees and grass. Trumpet two, destroyed a third of the ocean. Blood water is what's described. Not a, this is not small, right? This is not just a, a, a light portion. Third trumpet, verse 10. A third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. So in this case, so trumpet number three, rivers are poisoned by a star. And people, now now we get to where people are affected, people begin to die. So first trumpet, burning up land. Second trumpet, ocean. Third trumpet, rivers, and therefore people are dying. Fourth trumpet, like how is this getting worse? The fourth angel, verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. I want you to to catch this correlation. With the opening of the fourth seal, so back up to uh, last week, opening of the fourth seal came the pale horse, which is death, and given authority over a quarter of the earth. And now you get to the fourth trumpet, and judgment comes to a third of the earth. So, in some ways, you've got like it was taken from a fourth to that there's third, like things are split into three now, and now there's there's everything is, is cut into to that way, like a third of the earth. Judgment's coming to the, the next portion. Catch this, though. If you haven't caught all of this, what's all, everything's going away. Like parts of everything, at least. 
You're gonna have less, no, like a third of the ground, third of the trees, third of the grass, third of the ocean, like the, the rivers are poisoned by stars, and then you're losing a third of light. Less sun, less moon, less stars. Even the darkness of night gets darker. It's hard to grasp, right? You walk outside at night, and uh, maybe even in some other part of the world, and other part of, you go out in the country, right? (laughs) We don't have all the light around here. And you look up and you see all those stars and the moon is what's kind of guiding you along your way. And then you, you take 33% of that away. You, you can't even trust the things that seem most stable. Think about it. Think about even phrases that we use. Sure as the sun's coming up tomorrow. Sure as the, the ground beneath my feet. Nope. Sounds like that's not real sure, is it? We're talking about the most stable of things around us. The ground, trees, ocean. We, we assume the ocean's going to stick around for a while. But in in verse 13, I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. The blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Those who dwell on the earth is is used specifically to describe uh, unbelievers. So let's, let's think about this. First, if trumpets serve as a reminder to put your trust in God alone, because you cannot trust anything in this world. And trumpets serve as a warning for all to turn away from all sin. Right? Chapter, well, like, let's get to the fifth trumpet, right? So chapter 9. Fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. And then it goes on to describe what's all happening in this bottomless pit. But essentially, in the next several verses, the sun is darkened again. Locusts happen, pits of hell, terrorizing legions of hell are unleashed, torment of unbelievers under the direct authority of Satan. People even long for their death. They're they're hoping to get out of this in any way possible. This is as terrorizing and terrible as you might possibly imagine. John is even seeking for the words to describe how horrible this is. Then you get to the sixth trumpet. As it continues, verse 13. Again, and and this sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river. So there's more that happens there. And a third of humanity is wiped out. Now again, remember, this is not necessarily chronological, but regardless... It is increasing in imagery. There is described 200 million demonic war horses that are released. This is not a light matter. And even still, catch this, those that are lost are seem to be observing all of this take place, trumpet after trumpet. They see A third of the earth essentially wiped out. A third of the oceans. Everything gets darker. They're losing humanity all around them. A third of the people they know, gone. And yet, go to... Go to chapter 9, verse 20, and listen carefully to this. I want, like if, you are, uh, if you're questioning, wondering a little bit about salvation, this is, this is so important. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor did they give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood. 
which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Listen, here's what's happening. Everything around them is shouting at them, Turn away from your sin. Here's what happens to those who don't follow Christ. Everything, like the world is crumbling around them. They're watching it. They're watching like even the actual earth collapse. Mountains are falling into the ocean. People are dying in droves. And they're not gonna have anything to do with Christ. They're gonna push back. They're still not repenting. So I'm, I'm pleading with you today. Like, What is it going to take for you to see Christ? What, what turmoil, what strife, what, what else is it going to take? We've had a global pandemic. Like, what is it gonna take? It's gonna take something in your particular life to crumble so that you'll call on the only one who can give you hope. Don't wait that long. Like right now, call on Jesus Christ, the one who offers hope and peace and joy for all who come to him. He doesn't say you won't have to go through hardship. He says, I'll go through it with you. You won't be alone. He says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Oh, church, people, listen. I wish I could like just grab your shoulders. It's like, listen, don't, don't wait for this. Don't wait for the, the crumbling of all humanity. I agree with Robert Mounts who says, nowhere will you found, find more accurate picture of sinful humanity pressed to the extreme." One would think that the terrors of God's wrath would bring rebels to their knees. Not so. Past the point of no return, they respond to greater punishment with increased rebellion. Such is sinful nature, untouched and unmoved by the mercies of God. I hope you hear that. And when I say turn to Christ, it's because his mercies are new every morning. It's because he's offering you forgiveness for whatever it is you've done. I mean, think about the list that we just heard. They were not like repenting from worshiping demons, and worshiping idols and uh, sexual immorality and being thieves and murderers and sorcerers. Whatever it is you've done, God is gracious to forgive when you confess your sins before him. Please do not hear of the punishment to come and simply ignore it. While there is purpose for trumpets, there's also a need for prophets. A need for prophets. Chapters 10 and 11 we find this hiatus between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, much like we found between the sixth and seventh seal just a couple chapters ago. So within these two chapters, the word prophet or prophecy is found six times. Verse seven, uh, to his servants, his prophets. Verse 11, you must again prophesy. Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse three, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, chapter 11, verse 6. They're prophesying, the days of their prophesying, chapter 11, verse 10, uh, because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth, chapter 11, verse 18, uh, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints. So see the significance of God's people in the midst of these judgments. Prophets, prophesy. What do prophets do? Prophets proclaim the gospel. David Platt said that they want to speak truth in the present in light of what is coming in the future. Right? Revelation 10, go to verse 7. But in that day, in that, in the days of uh, the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced 
key word to his servants, the prophets. We see the word announce, which is actually the Greek word that we use for evangelism. Same word, like to proclaim, to share the gospel, to express, to bear witness to what has happened. Then you get to 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, and it says, I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, uh, we find two witnesses. We also find witnesses in Acts 1.8, right? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Uh, I think if you've been paying much attention to the last few weeks of this sermon series, you know that uh, I, I don't want to spend lots of time on different debates regarding uh, different, uh, yeah, things that are argued about. But I will say this, there is plenty of date, debate about who these two specific people are, whether they are uh, these witnesses, whether it's John the Baptist and Elijah or Moses, uh, or whether or not they are figurative representations of the whole church. That is something to be considered. But no matter how you view this, we see throughout Revelation and throughout the whole of Scripture that every follower of Christ testifies or witnesses the Word. Listen to that. If you are a follower of Christ, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but just imagine right now that I was asking you, if you're a follower of Christ, to raise your hand. So you're going to decide, okay, it's me, okay, right? You're going to raise your hand. Yes, I'm a follower of Christ. Then as a follower of Christ, your task is to witness, bear witness to the very word of God that has transformed your life. That's who you are. That's what you do. This is what a prophet does. He speaks. You may be thinking, I'm not a prophet. Well, I understand. You're certainly not a prophet like the one, like ones in the Old Testament, speaking on behalf of God. However, on the other hand, you are one changed, and therefore the responsibility you have to boldly speak the truth of God to all that will hear. How do you think they come to know? Romans 10, 17, for faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Where does the word of Christ get proclaimed? Your lips. This is, this is on us, church. This is our task. So there is still a need for prophets because prophets proclaim the gospel. That should be you. I want you to just evaluate for a, a small second. When was the last time you acted like a prophet and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone else? Can you, can you name that time? And, and if you, like if you have to re, rewind the tape too far, ask yourself some pretty significant questions. Like you bear witness. This is what we do, church. Prophets proclaim the gospel and prophets persevere through trials. This portion of Revelation 11 that describes these 42 months or 1260 days has even more opinions with it, right? This is some of those, those chapters that are just filled with different insights or thoughts. Uh, Ezekiel was asked to do a similar measuring of a physical temple as a reminder that God is provider and that God is protector because the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48, the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. So there's this measurement uh, expected or required of Ezekiel. However, this time, the measurement is not of a physical temple, but it's of a spiritual one. And once again, reminding the people of God that he will, listen, that he will provide and protect them because he is there. I need you to hear that this morning. That, that again, if you are a follower of Christ, he is with you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is there. One author explained it this way. This 42 months, again, 1260 days or three and a half years was prophesied way back in Daniel and is now signified here in Revelation as a time of tribulation in which God's people experience suffering and persecution as his witnesses in this world. Again, some people view this as a literal three and a half year time of tribulation, but in light of understanding these witnesses as the church and in light of the context we've seen already here in Revelation, this seems to be a symbolic portrayal of a time of suffering that the church will endure before the final judgment. Not only does this seem to fit Daniel's prophecies, but not coincidentally that this also reflects symbolically the approximate length of Jesus's ministry on earth. Christians are absolutely and eternally secure in the presence of God. Yet on the other hand, they are vulnerable to attack, suffering, and persecution in this world as they witness. Regardless of how you interpret this, Scripture is abundant with reminders that we should expect suffering. We should expect hardship. As followers of Christ, we should anticipate it. But we can find strength in Christ through it. Prophets, prophets persevere through trials. Even when things are difficult, they persevere. And prophets preach contrasting truths. And like, wait a second. <laughs> Does it sound, sound too good? Well, think about it this way. A lost person is going to hear a prophet speak truth in a different way than the same truth being pro preached that a saved person is going to hear it. Even maybe even in this room, for those of you who are saved are hearing, hey, there's hope in the gospel. Suffering might come, but you're gonna, there's, there's hope on the other end. For those of you who are lost are saying, I'm just going through heartache. It doesn't sound like good news to me. What, what's ahead for me is judgment and punishment. What's ahead for me is hope and peace. So to the lost, the gospel is bitter. To the saved, the gospel is sweet. Revelation 10, 9 through 11. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. This is one of those uh, unusual parts, right? Eating a scroll. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I looked, I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. You see, to the lost, the gospel is bitter, but to the saved, the gospel is sweet. In addition to that, to the lost, the truth is like a consuming fire. But to the saved, the truth is like a brilliant lampstand. Chapter 10, verse 4. The seven thunders had sounded. I was about to write, but I heard a voice from the heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Verse, chapter 11, verse 5. If anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. Like this brilliant light lampstand, this, this proclaiming of good news, of truth. But to the lost, death will be celebrated. But to the saved. Death is just a temporary peace. This could be a specific reference, which you'll see in just a minute, to literal martyrdom or a more general reference to every Christian who proclaims Christ. Chapter 11, verse 10, when they had finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where the, their Lord was crucified. 
for three and a half days. Some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. And they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. See, after a time that is symbolic, Jesus' time in the tomb, we will rise as witnesses. So when I, when I think about all of these things, right? I think about the, the need for prophets. I think about these seven trumpets. I, I think about the hope of Christ. Because we, we, the church, not just Colonial Heights, but those who are new in Christ, those who are followers of the one true way, we will join him in his resurrection. His promise is fulfilled. Eleven, twelve. they heard a loud voice from saying, uh, from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies just watched them. Watch them go. Look at verse, go to, go to chapter 11, verse 15. Seventh angel blew his trumpet. This is seventh trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders that we've already seen uh, who sit on their thrones before God, they fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumbling, peals of thunder, an earthquake and hail. Why? Because our mission is complete. You see, the witnesses have done their job. They've proclaimed. How do we know that? Because Matthew 24, 14 tells us so. This gospel to the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, uh, this is like our theme verse for this upcoming stewardship campaign. We've talked about it a few times. Uh, this whatever it takes. We want to do whatever it takes. And so that, that includes getting out of debt, Right? Because if we get out of debt, it, it frees up more resources for us to make Christ known in all nations. It's not just so that we could uh, feel better about or, or like stockpile our, our own storehouses, but so that we could use God's resources that he's given to us to make Christ's name known in all nations. And so we want to do whatever it takes. We want to specifically, we want to give above and beyond our tithe in order to end our debt and to raise additional funds, additional money for the spread of the gospel to those who have never heard the gospel. And I realize that when, when I say those kinds of numbers about there's three and a half billion people in the world who've never heard the gospel and have no access to get it. We hear those things, it seems too big, too far away. But we're gonna do whatever it takes to get it to them. Because we want this. We want the end to come for the glory of God. We want to enter in that because we long for that day. Speaking of those who have no access to the gospel, we've talked about this just last week. I want to encourage you, make sure you sign up for your turn to read scripture, even in this room out loud, as we raise awareness and prayers even resources for those who have no access to the Bible in their language. So if you didn't uh, hear that announcement, just in a couple weeks, uh, we're going to, to spend time Monday through Friday reading all of Scripture. And so we'll, someone will just stand or sit right here and read God's Word. And at, you can come in this, this building anytime throughout that day uh, from like 6 to 7 or 8 or whatever time it is uh, and, and come in those, those days and uh, we will be 
Every hour we'll pray for another people group who does not have scripture in their language. And while we're hearing God's word, because we do have access to it. And so you can sign up at colonialheights.org access for your time slot that you're gonna read out loud. And so you can come anytime, but we ask for you uh, to specifically give that time. Maybe there's a couple of you that would wanna split that time together like a husband and wife and you wanna share that reading responsibility or just friends, that would be fine. But we, we know that we have something most of the world doesn't. Or at least about, I'll say about half of the world doesn't have. See, we will join him in his resurrection because we've been given access. Because someone proclaimed it to us. So I wonder, I wonder who you will proclaim it to so that they will join us in his resurrection. And when we join him, we will worship him in his glory. Chapter 11. This is one that is worth underlining, highlighting, bracketing, circling something. Verse 17. Notice, right, these 24 elders, they just fall down for him. He says, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. Time for the dead to be judged, for the rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And God's temple in heaven was opened. The ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. And there were flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. Do you imagine that? Every time I, I hear that flashes of lightning, peals of thunder, rumblings, I just, I imagine it's like just this drastic visual picture and sound in the ears of, of the presence of God. Just being revealed to us. You know, even, even in scripture, when an angel shows up, like almost every time, angel says, do not be afraid. Fear not. And almost every time, it's because those people, whoever they are, they've fallen down. They're like, I can't even look at this. That's just the messenger of God. So what's gonna happen when it is God? And we, we get to be in that room? You can, you can bet we're gonna be on our faces with those 24 elders. And we're gonna be lifting our hands, praising his name, saying that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords who reigns and rules over all the earth. And we will sing and shout like David was talking about. We will not be silent anymore. We will not find ourselves cowering in fear, ashamed to proclaim this truth. We will see him and know him and celebrate him for all that he is. So if you, if you don't know him, may today be the day that you see Jesus for who he is, the hope of all the heartache. The joy, the, the peace that can only come from him. So turn from your sin. Turn from yourself and your ways and trust in Jesus. We would love to celebrate that decision with you pray with you, pray over you. So even to my left in this room, there would be some who would love to meet with you and talk to you about that. But for all of us in this room, he is deserving of our praise. The King of kings and Lord of lords who reigns and rules now and forevermore deserves for us to stand and sing his praise. So if you would, stand with me as we respond to this King of kings.
cast my mind? I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still, and all along. Come on, let's fill this room with praise this morning. Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forever. good. Uh, I'm so very thankful uh, for this time, uh, just of hope-filled reminders of the glory and majesty of our King, and there is not an announcement that we could make that would follow that very well. Um, but I'm, I'm just so thankful that we get to sing like that uh, with, in anticipation of what is to come. There is an announcement that uh, Leanna Lott, our 
<laughs> Yay! The uh, chairman or chairperson of the personnel committee uh, would like to share. I did have to say, right? very official. Um, so Leanna has something she's going to share with us this morning. So very, uh, again, thankful for your leadership in that. Thank you. Is it on? Good morning. I am Leanna Lott. I am the chair of the personnel committee. They just put chair since I'm the chair gal of the personnel committee. But we have a special month this month. It's October, and it's actually Minister Appreciation Month. Um, any of y'all in school know that we have teacher appreciation and staff appreciation. But this is our Minister Appreciation Month, and we have wonderful um, ministers at our church that make our church what it is. Um, yeah, I know. I, I asked somebody before, I'm like, how do I tactfully get them to applause? But y'all just do it on spontaneous. And so I would like to um, just ask you to join me in just appreciating them. If our, all of our ministerial staff could stand, did you know I was going to do that? So all our ministerial staff stand. Drew, can you stand on the thing? Yeah, yeah. And then anyone that is our support staff at Colonial Heights that helps them do what they do, if y'all could stand as well. Lauren, I know there's a lot of you. Um, and I have, I have three wonderful girls who have come up in this church, whether it be in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the preschool ministry. Um, we work in the married adult ministry. And it just wouldn't, our church wouldn't be what it is without these ministers. And so if the Lord just puts it on your heart to send them an email um, or a gift card or um, anything that you, the Lord has just told you, you know, maybe they need to hear that word of encouragement. I challenge you to um, do that. So one more time, give us a round of applause for our ministerial staff. We thank you, um, and we appreciate it so much. And I get to close this in prayer. So if y'all could join me in prayer, I'd appreciate it. Holy Father, Lord, I come to you now. Lord, I thank you for um, the church that is Colonial Heights, for the years that we have been here, for the gift of the ministers that have poured into us, um, for the Sunday school teachers that have poured into us and into the lives of our girls. Lord, I thank you that they don't want to miss anything that is here because they feel your presence. And I thank you that that is um, largely because of the staff and the ministers that you have put here and their walk with you and their desire um, to love you and to lead these boys and girls and these married adults and these senior adults, everyone that darkens the doors, Lord, that that is their goal um, to to point them towards you and that they would encourage us all to walk um, in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, I thank you for loving us and for leading each one that is here this morning into Colonial Heights Baptist Church. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to just go out and to just share your love with everybody that we see, whether it be at lunch or at home. Um, Lord, that, that we would just share your love and the love of Jesus and to let them know that the smile we have on our face is because of you. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the ministerial staff and the staff um, that supports them to love us and to lead us so well. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for loving us first. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And all the boys and girls said, amen. It's what we do in preschool. So y'all are dismissed. Stand and be dismissed. <laughs>